What a beautiful Thursday morning we got here, don't we? I love it. Good morning to you and, or afternoon maybe, if you're listening to the rebroadcast on this Thursday morning here in the Rogue Valley. You are tuned in to KAPL. This is Peter John, and I'm still enjoying the residue, the overflow from being able to sit in the sanctuary last night and take in God's word from the book of Song of Solomon. And one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why, is because as my dad taught through Song of Solomon, I'm sitting there in the sanctuary next to my wife, and my dad is able somehow, I don't know how he pulled this off, but he is able somehow to teach, to read through the first four chapters of Song of Solomon, without even getting into anything, mm, how do I say, mm, uh, intimate? <laughs> That's the word I'm going to use. And that, to me, I, I marveled at that, that he was able to do that. And uh, not that it made it boring, it made it Christ-centered. That's what it made it. I'm not saying everybody should do that every time they teach through Song of Solomon, but I'm saying my dad did, and it brought us closer to Jesus. And it made it a little less awkward, I have to also admit. <laughs> For sure. Oh, Come on out next Wednesday night as we continue our trek through the Song of Solomon. This is going to be good. And... Uh, how you see Jesus is going to impact the way that you receive. I want to explain that. I want to explain that. And uh, you look at Psalm 105. It talks about how from Egypt to Sinai, it was what God had done for the people of Israel. Now, the reason I point that out is because from Egypt to Sinai, that was before the law. And so the psalmist says, God did this, the Lord did that. Things are good because it all depends on him. Check it out. The next psalm, Psalm 106 it focuses on what the people did. And it's not very pretty. It says over and over, they did this, they did that, and it was a disaster. So it's always a good thing not to focus on uh, our works and our deeds in order to receive from God. Boy, do you need to hear that, <laughs> in my opinion. How often in church we're always focusing on our works and deeds. Oh, when we're not supposed to. It, look what happened to Israel being under the law. Look what happens to us being under Gerah. Those who don't focus on their own deeds end up doing the most. <laughs> Because they have a restful spirit that's focused on Jesus Christ. And those who do focus on their deeds and their own works are often, are always, I should probably say, striving. Because in a very real sense, we, when we do that, we're placing ourselves under the law. Back up under it. Demanding, God bless me based on my keeping of the law. But listen, when it comes to that, you can't have your cake and eat it too. By that I mean, you can't say, God bless me 
because I keep the law. But don't curse me when I break it. (laughs) No. Get out of the law. It says, by Jesus came grace and truth. It does not say, by Jesus came the law and truth, but grace and truth. And by the way, the Greek there, the Greek language, both grace and truth are both, they're one unit. Because the verb that is used there comes in the singular. It's not normal for the grammar, but it's there used, that is, literally, by grace truth came Jesus Christ. So the law was given, but grace truth came. See, so when you relax, listen, this is my whole point this morning. (laughs) When you relax, God works. And when you work, God relaxes. (laughs) Don't you want God to work? Yeah. Do you want God to relax? No. I want God to work. Then Relax in faith, in admiration, in appreciation of Jesus. Relax. Because looking, look, just look at the life of Jesus. He was so relaxed in, in ways. Uh, I mean, you'd be surprised. If you look at Jesus, you, you can see this. You'd be surprised how much our breakthroughs, our joy, our victory, your ability is found in your relaxation, just being able to relax. And how do you do that? By looking at Jesus. How you see Jesus is how you will receive. Here's an example. There were two guys or two people that marveled, that Jesus marveled at their faith. One of them was the centurion. Remember that? And Jesus marveled at his faith, but the awesome thing is the centurion who wanted Jesus to heal his servant, the the centurion comes to Jesus and he never uses the word faith. He never even says, I trust you or I believe. He simply had appreciation of Jesus, an estimation of Jesus that was huge and immense. Therefore, Jesus said, I have not even seen faith like this in all of Israel. He was said not about a Jew, but a Roman. But look at this guy. He doesn't say, I believe or I trust you. He never uses the word faith. He just says, heal my servant. And Jesus marveled at his faith. And so, in other words, just relax. You don't need to conjure up some kind of huge um, faith on your own. Just relax. You don't need to focus, how much faith do I have? Just relax. And by relax... I mean, trust in Jesus. Breathe, breathe it in. Feel your heart beat again. Here we are, here I stand with you. To begin, to behold.
song that was from i city harmonic there it is <laughs> and uh that's a good word maranatha right lord come quickly i bet you agree with that wouldn't it be great that the lord came back today if we were raptured today wouldn't it be wonderful it might be after all it's a beautiful day if it's a beautiful day in the Rogue Valley, that could very well be a sign that the end is here, that the Lord is coming back. <laughs> oh. The pulpit shouldn't be the place to show the ugliness of man <laughs> as much as the beauty of Jesus, in my opinion. By ugliness of man, I don't mean literally. I mean spiritually of people. But just focus on the beauty of Jesus. Because even then, if you just look at the beauty of Jesus, then man, who is imperfect and ugly in selfishness, looks at Jesus, and then we're transformed into his image, whether we know it or not. We all know how ugly man is, spiritually and literally. Men, I'm talking about. But, but, but let's talk about how beautiful Jesus is. And this is just me, but when we talk about the economy or politics from the pulpit, this is me now, uh, you can get depressed, but you talk about Jesus and you're able to 
effortlessly rise above it all. Remember those, you do, the two disciples who were on their way home on a road to Emmaus feeling dejected, depressed, encouraging each other to be more depressed because Jesus had died on the cross. And then Jesus joins them on the road and their eyes didn't recognize Jesus. And it's interesting to me that their eyes, it seems to indicate, were restrained from recognizing Jesus after he had risen. Why would the Lord restrain their eyes, limit their vision? Because he wanted them to know and to see Jesus in the scripture. Oh, this is what's so cool. Jesus was able to look at the scripture with them, the Bible, from beginning to end. Moses, Psalms, the prophets, and point out how Jesus was to die and rise. It was part of God's plan. And they didn't even recognize it was Jesus until the end. And their hearts were strangely warmed from troubled hearts to burning hearts. And I'm not talking about heartburn. But I mean, they were on fire as Jesus See, they were depressed for the same reason we can be depressed, I think, in some ways. They wanted Jesus to redeem Israel. Right? Now, Israel is important, but nothing is more important than Jesus at center stage. Just like evangelism is good, helping the poor is good. But if we put Jesus in the center those things will not suffer. Those things will be blessed. Whether we even are aware of it or not, evangelism, helping the poor, and in their case, Israel, those things will be blessed if we put Jesus in the center. See? So, that's why we got to emphasize the beauty of Jesus. That's why I began this segment by saying the pulpit's not the place to show the ugliness of man, but the beauty of Jesus. Right? Because there's nothing beautiful about me, literally and spiritually, apart from Jesus. But man, is he beautiful. Isn't Jesus awesome? Isn't he perfect. Can't he, I should put it this way, can he not comfort us and heal our hearts? Yes, he can. Yes, he does. Like no one can because he does so through the Holy Spirit within us. He heals us. He opens up our blind eyes and our deaf ears. So that's why it's so good to emphasize Jesus. Otherwise, I can get depressed. Why are we not having more evangelism or helping the poor? But it's not a social gospel. It's just the gospel. And if we put Jesus at the center, those things will only fall into place, right? We'll be right back. Yours is the kingdom, 
kids too. The thing is, is the devil doesn't think our kids are too young to learn about the world, right? I got a beautiful daughter who's at South Medford and she's taking these classes that are profound. I mean, they're, they're learning a lot more than I learned when I was in high school, maybe because I wasn't paying attention, but she's in all these honors classes and stuff, and it's great. But along with that, being in that public school, she's also taught about, it's really, in many ways, sometimes it can be anti-God, right? And And not just in school, but the devil doesn't think our kids, not just, I'm not just talking about only evolution. That's just, the devil doesn't think our kids are too young to learn about blasphemy. Does he? Through the movies or what have you, or profanity or pornography. Okay, but here's how I want to turn this into the real deal. And that is if the devil doesn't think our kids are too young to learn those things, profanity, pornography, blasphemy. We should not think that our kids are too young to learn about Jesus and the gospel and salvation. So, your kid is not too young to learn about Jesus. Not too young to learn about salvation. Not too young to learn about good theology. And that's why your kid is listening right now. As they're strapped into their car seat and they can't move and they're forced to listen right now. <laughs> uh, God loves your kid so much. That kid sitting in the back seat. He's got a plan and a purpose for that child. That daughter, that son. He's going to use that child for his glory in the kingdom you might be driving around right now in texas or minnesota or the rogue valley 
here in Oregon. And God is working his purpose and his plan in that kiddo. Teach him about Jesus. Teach him the gospel. Speaking of Jesus, speaking of the gospel, we've been talking about a little bit that Emmaus Road experience those two disciples had with Jesus after he had risen from the dead. How Jesus used that road. They didn't even recognize it was him, right? Remember? He uses that road to go through the law, the prophets, and the Psalms to show that how he must die and rise again. So in many ways, the Old Testament is an Emmaus Road experience. As I say that, I wonder what Emmaus means. I would look it up, but I'm on the radio. The word Emmaus. Anyways, the Old Testament is an Emmaus Road experience showing us the things of Jesus. I love that. And so, Jesus shows them how he had to die and rise for their righteousness. That under the law, Jesus told his disciples, go into the house of Israel and do not go to the Gentiles. But after he had risen, what does he say? Go into all the world. Under the law, he says, if you don't forgive, you are not forgiven. But now, because he's risen, we forgive because we are forgiven. See, the whole purpose of Jesus' resurrection is to bring you to the end of yourself. (laughs) Congratulations. I'm so grateful we cannot lose being a saint just because we've done wrong. Just like before, we could not lose our sinnerhood, if I can use that word, sinnerhood, by doing what is good. But now, we cannot lose our righteousness by doing what is wrong. Don't reintroduce the law back to your thinking or to the church or to your home. That's the plan of the devil to ruin people. You're not, your kids are not, you are no longer under the law as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ. Well, be okay. If we're not under the law, then how do I raise those kids? Show them Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm not speaking, I'm going to speak, this is just my opinion now. I like how Paul would say that from time to time. And I'm no Paul. I'm Peter. But um, I don't know where Mary is. But um, Paul would say, now this is just my opinion, or here's a thought from my heart. He says that in the New Testament when he's speaking from his mind or his thoughts instead of that of the Holy Spirit. But here's my opinion that just focus on Jesus. Talk about Jesus to your kids when they're three, when they're two, when they're five. And it works beautifully to raise them to be like Jesus. So much more than focusing on what they're not supposed to do and what they're not supposed to be and all of that. That's my opinion. That's so far so good with my kiddos. Four daughters who love Jesus. Now, my daughter just turned 14 yesterday. My other daughter's 15, so I still have, I'm not out of the woods, am I? Not even close. (laughs) So take my words under such understanding that I'm still working this out. So far, so good. Pray for me. Pray for my daughters. Thank you very much. And I'll pray for you and your kids. Father, I do pray that right now for those who are listening that have teenagers. Lord, have mercy on them. (laughs) Have mercy on us. Lord, bless our teenagers. May they walk with you. Even right now, may they feel the effect of this prayer. Your hand upon them, Lord. For us who have kids who are younger than teenagers, maybe there are those who have little, little guys and gals. (laughs) 
Lord, would they walk with you? Would they know you? Would they hear your voice, our children? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Strahan, that band has some, they're a new band, but they have some old school music sound, right? Old school sound. I'm trying to defend it. <laughs> right, good. I just got the thumbs up. Awesome. Katie just gave us a thumbs up. That's cool with me. I'm glad. Um, if God knows everything, then why do I need to tell him things? That's a good question. My dad recently really put things in a good perspective on it, on prayer. And that question, if God knows everything, why do I need to tell him all things or things? Right? Why does he want us to remind him of his mercy and his love when we praise him? Is he forgetful? 
No, God is everywhere. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. So why would he say, ask me questions, talk to me? I love how my dad pointed out a few weeks ago now that though Jesus is God, he has chosen to take on human status or stature. So much so that when Jesus was a kid, it says he grew in wisdom and stature. So however that means, Jesus grew up. He grew in wisdom. It wasn't as though he was talking the theory of relativity at 40 years old. (laughs) He had to learn. And it says in Hebrews that he learned by the things he suffered. He was perfected, we are told. God was perfected? Yep. For he was God. But before that, he had never been a man. So now we have a Savior who meets fully the claims of both God and man. And we have a Savior who can relate to both. (laughs) Because he is both. He relates to God. He relates to us. And as God, he was perfect in knowledge but as, as a man, as Jesus, he had to learn. I mean, even in the temple, remember as a 12-year-old kiddo, it says he was asking them questions. Even as he was profoundly blowing their minds with his theology, his understanding of scripture, he was so perfect that even as a 12-year-old, he asks them questions. Why? He's taking the proper posture of the culture at that time. Now, how would that be to have a friend, a buddy at 12 years old or 20 years old, who it seems like they know everything? Would you like to have a friend that always says, yeah, I know the punchline, even before you get to it? Or a fiancé that says, I know you're about to propose. No, See, that would not be fun in either case. So, Jesus is interested, as my dad has pointed out, in what we have to say because it gives him joy. It's a surprise. So, Jesus knows what's in every man because there's that divine nature, but he limits himself to relate to us. So when we praise him or talk to him or pray to him, it's not because Jesus is forgetful, but we do so because it gives him joy and delight. Now think about that with the memorial feasts in the scriptures how God is relating in this same kind of way of being reminded, not because he forgot, but it gives him joy. Those seven feasts, they they were the reminders of the wonderful things God did for his people. And God loves to be reminded of his grace and of his promises. That's how the rainbow reminds God he will not judge in that way again. I love that rainbow. It does not say it's there to remind us. It says in Genesis that rainbow is there to remind God. (laughs) Does he really need to be reminded? No. It gives him joy. To remember the wonderful things that he has done. God loves, whether it's a rainbow or it's Passover in the Old Testament, whether it's communion and worship in the New Testament, God loves to be reminded of his grace. (laughs) I mean, you know this, ladies. Do you like it when your hubby takes the approach? Well, you know that I love you because I told you on our wedding, at the, on the stage, 
I told you I love you, and if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. No, you want to hear your husband say I love you every day, even though you already know it. And so too, God loves us to put into remembrance what God has done because we then say, I love you to him again and again. What kind of prayer does God love to listen to? He'll even listen to a groan. Remember there in Egypt, it says that the only prayer that the people of Israel, that uh, the descendants of Jacob, the only prayer that they had left after 400 years of slavery was a groan. And it says God heard that groaning and remembered his covenant. Their groaning activated God's memory. It shows that just to, uh, listen, Here's, here's something for you. Just a groan is enough to reach the throne. <laughs> That'll preach. So God remembered a covenant that was made before the law. This unmerited favor he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and brought the people out, not because they were so good, but because of his unmerited favor. So when we remember how good God is, even if all you can do is kind of groan because you're hurting so badly, and I know how that feels, that groan goes before God and he listens and it means a lot to him. And if it means a lot to him, then worship and praise, even if it's just a groan, means a lot to me and you as well.
Jesus' name. Can't help but say amen to that. And, uh, you know, you can call upon Jesus right where you're at, right now. And as his child, his son, his daughter, he will hear you and answer you. He will comfort you with his Holy Spirit. Because it's in Jesus' name. It's not based on your power, your authority. It's based on his power and his authority, which is unlimited, dear friend, for he has risen from the dead. You can call upon Jesus. In fact, not only can you, you should, you would, you must, if you're going to stay sane. (laughs) I bet you agree with me. If you're going to keep your mind together, if your life is going to either get back together or stay together, it's going to be through Jesus' name. And he is completely listening. Like I stated, what I learned from my dad a little while ago, that though Jesus is God, he's unlike the Father and the Spirit, has limited himself. In this way, he is listening to what you're saying. He wants to know, he understands, and he follows along. And God the Father already knows what you're about to say, and the Holy Spirit is praying from within you, and Jesus is listening. That's a great combination, is it not? Does that not work, the Trinity? Absolutely yes. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray to you now, for Applegate Christian Fellowship and all who are listening to receive the peace of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the healing that comes through your grace. Lord, would you bless your people? Would you encourage them through the Holy Spirit? Would you strengthen them by your word? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in. Come out tonight at 7 o'clock for our prayer meeting in the upper room, that little building on the top of the hill as you drive into the church. Love to see you there. Looking forward to it. God bless.